Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Well, one Sunday morning, a, uh, a mom went into her son's bedroom and looking at my sister Shannon. Mom went into her son's bedroom and said, son, wake up. It's time to go to church. He kind of groaned and rolled over and said, no, mom, I'm not going to church today. And she said, what do you mean you're not going? Why not? He said, mom, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. Number two, they don't like me. She said, son, that's no excuse. I'll give you two better reasons why you should go. Number one, you're 43 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> you can decide whether or not that's a true story from this morning. <laughs> We're in our third week of our series called Jonah, Rebel with the Cause. And we've been looking at one chapter of Jonah each week. There's four chapters so we're in part three today. Here's a quick recap. Jonah chapter one, Jonah rebels and runs from God. We called that message, you can run, but you can't hide. Last week, we looked at Jonah chapter two, Jonah repents and runs to God. And we called that message from the jaws of death, what to do when you feel hopeless. Today, we're gonna look at Jonah chapter three, when Jonah restarts, and runs with God. The title of my message this morning is The God of Second Chances. The God of Second Chances. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to us today through the power and the truth of your word. God, our hearts are open, our ears are receptive. Let your word come into our hearts, take root, bear fruit in our lives. God, let us put into practice, be men and women who do your word, who live like Jesus. If you agree, say amen. 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 Open with me in your Bibles to Jonah chapter three, if you have your Bible. Jonah chapter three, it's kind of towards the old, uh, end of the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah had been swallowed by the great fish that God had custom made for him. We read about that in the last chapter, Jonah chapter two. He, he prayed from inside the fish's stomach. And we're gonna pick it up on Jonah chapter two, verse 10. In fact, go ahead and stand your feet real quick if you would. Let's read, we'll read these two verses. We're gonna read from New King James uh, this morning. Jonah chapter two, verse 10. It'll be on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, go. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I, I, well, hold on a sec. I just laugh every time I read that verse. <laughs> there are certain verses in the Bible that are funny to me. That's one of them. All right, let's read uh, uh, verse one of chapter three, ready, go. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, okay, let's read it one more time, and when we read that phrase the second time, I want you to emphasize that, okay? Ready, go. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Before you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, hey, I don't mean to judge you, but you look like you need a second chance. Come on, tell somebody. You look like... You look like you need a second chance. Jonah chapter three, verse one. I, I think it might be one of the most encouraging verses in all of the Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. 
Jonah had messed up big time. He had rebelled. He had run away from God. He had completely disobeyed God. He had boldly sinned against God. He had caused a storm that almost took his own life and almost killed all of the sailors that were on board with him. And then he had spent three days, three nights in Hotel Shamu in the belly of a fish. But God gave him a second chance. There's good news this morning for all of us. The God of the universe, the one true living God, is the God of all love and all mercy and compassion and forgiveness. And he is the God of second chances. He's not just the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances and fourth chances and hundred chances and million chances. <laughs> he loves to give us a second chance. The reason is because he loves you and he loves me. You might think I messed up too much. John, you don't know. You don't know about me. You don't know what I've done. I've had an affair. I've got divorced. I've went bankrupt. I've went to prison. I'm a Raiders fan. <laughs> and if you're a Raiders fan, you've probably been to prison. <laughs> you're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> I'm on plan B in my life, you know? Plan C, plan. Listen, with God, there is no plan B. God, he's in the business of redemption, which means that he takes all of your knucklehead mistakes in mind and he fixes them and he uses it for his glory. God will give you another chance. Maybe you've run away from him. Maybe you've lost some time. Maybe up to this point right now, you've basically wasted your whole life on yourself, on selfish living, making dumb decisions. It doesn't matter how young you are, and it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're still living and breathing, God has an awesome plan for your life. He has a unique purpose. He has a specific cause for you to live for. He can forgive any sin. He can heal any hurt. He can redeem any pain. He can fix any mess. He can give you a second chance. Somebody say amen. amen. And this is what we learned from Jonah. I love Jonah. The more that we're in this series, the more I like Jonah. Because I can relate to Jonah. Just an ordinary guy, just doing a bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> Getting in trouble. Doing with a bad attitude. We'll see that in a minute. I just like Jonah. He's relatable. Ordinary guy that God used. Here, here's what I'm going to give you today. We're going to look at four things to do when God gives me another chance. Four truths to do when God gives me another chance. And if you're here and you're listening to this message, he's giving you another chance. This applies to all of us here today. Verse two, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That was verse one. The second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Verse three, so Jonah arose. Some translations say Jonah got up. He rose, he got up, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Number one, when God gives me another chance, I will receive God's mercy and get up, and get up. Jonah had been through a terrible and traumatic situation that was the result of his own bad choices. The reason that I laugh when I read that verse about Jonah getting vomited out from the giant fish onto the beach, the way that I picture it in my mind is in like one of those movies or TV shows of the circus and that guy gets shot out of the cannon. He gets shot like 
50 feet in the air. I just imagine Jonah just getting launched like a cannonball out of this giant fish, hitting the beach and just tumbling and rolling around with seaweed all over his head. Listen, Jonah could have laid there and beat himself up for his mistakes. He could have sat there discouraged and depressed. He could have walked around slowly and wallowed in self-pity and felt sorry for himself for a few days, few weeks, few months. But Jonah didn't do any of those things. Jonah understood God's mercy and he received it as well. By the way, there's a big difference between understanding God's love, understanding God's mercy up here and receiving it in here. Richie and Laura, that's you guys right there, isn't it? No, that's not you. You look like, what's your name right there in the middle? Yes, you. What is it? Ricky, sorry, Ricky, you look like you look like my other friend Richie. Sorry, that was completely random and awkward and made me feel uncomfortable. I'll just keep going. Sorry about that, Ricky. This is Natalie right there, right? Yeah, okay. I saw Natalie yesterday. Sorry about that. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just so you can you can understand it. You can understand it intellectually, but it's another thing to receive it. Some of us we understand God's love intellectually, theologically, but we haven't received it in our heart. That makes all the difference. Jonah not only understood it, he received it. When he was still inside the fish, he said, and from chapter two, we read this last week, Jonah said, I remembered, he prayed, I remembered the Lord. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. In other words, what Jonah's saying right there is that I'm not looking to false gods, I'm not looking to idols, I'm not looking to anything else, I'm looking to the God of the universe, the one who is full of mercy. New King James, I like how they capitalize the word mercy, like God personifies mercy. And when God told him to get up, he got up. And as I said, I think he probably unwrapped himself from seaweed, I think it was all wrapped around everything, he took that off, I think he ran towards Nineveh this time. Ran with God. What about you, men and women? Have you received God's forgiveness? Have you received God's love, his mercy in your own life for your mistakes, your failures, your sins? Proverbs 28, 13, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes, other translations say sins, can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, Another word for that is turns away from them. He gets another chance. He gets another chance. Other translation says he will have mercy. When you get knocked down, do you get up and you keep going? Or do you just lay in a pit and stay there and stay stuck? Proverbs 24, 16, a righteous person may fall seven times, but he gets up again. I wanna encourage you, get up and move forward in your life. We're gonna see a, a quick testimony from Lauren Howard from our church and how she received God's mercy in her own life and how she got up again. You'll enjoy this. When I was in high school, I didn't really know where I was headed in life. I feel like I didn't have much direction. And actually, Pastor Matthew Barnett came to the church and offered the Dream Center Leadership School. So after I got out of high school, um, I jumped straight into an internship for two years 
and serving really became who I was. I kind of didn't realize it at the time, but like the codependency that I'd grown up with as a child really leached itself into my relationship with God. And for me, um, serving equaled my relationship with God. When that internship ended, it was like, the bubble popped. I didn't have a safe place anymore. My relationship with God was weak because I wasn't constantly serving. Um, and when I came back home, I um, didn't do the work necessary to build my relationship with God. So when it was challenged by college professors, it was challenged by ideas from my friends in the world, I didn't have an answer. Soon after coming home, I started a new job. Um, thought I was gonna be great, I was gonna meet friends, but I ended up meeting people who were partiers, who smoked weed daily, um, and that became part of who I was. Weed became my crutch for everything. Every bad feeling that I had, every negative emotion that I didn't wanna feel, I would smoke it away. It got so bad, I, I think I couldn't do anything when I wasn't high. Things got progressively worse in my life. I had reconnected with an old high school boyfriend who was actually a meth and a fentanyl addict. And it wasn't long before I became one too. I was hooked immediately. My life came crashing down around me. I was a ride up away from being fired from my job. I was letting everybody there down. I was supposed to be a manager and I was showing up late, showing up high, um, getting sick from, from the drugs that I was taking, um, doing drugs in the bathroom. Um, and even though people couldn't put their finger on it, they all knew something was wrong. I think that it was right around the six month mark that thank God that he gave me a moment of clarity. Up until that point, I think that God really had allowed me to harden my own heart and hardened it for me so that when I came to my breaking point, I would know that it was only through God's grace that I could let those addictions go. I broke up with that boyfriend I was with. I came clean to my family, which was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. I gave it all up. Like, I didn't keep anything. I gave it all to my parents and they disposed of it. Um, Friday night and then by Sunday I was in church raising my hand for an altar call like reaccepting God into my life. I didn't have any withdrawal symptoms. It was a miracle. I had shoved God so far away from me and this church family welcomed me back in like with open arms. I started attending Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights. Genuinely my life has never been the same. Recovery has has given me my relationship with God back. I can look people in the eye again. I can speak to them like a like a normal human being, like somebody who has God in their heart again. And, and he has um, given me back everything and more. He's given me back a job. Um, oh man, he's given me responsibility again. And um, like I, I should not have had all these opportunities. Um, he's given me back an opportunity to lead worship again, which has been my heart since I was a child. And I, I lost that when I was in my addiction, even before um, for years, I didn't sing that whole time, like not even in the car. It left me. Being able to sing again and worship God again, is just so free. My relationships with my family have been restored. God has done an amazing shift in my life from being addicted to heroin, being addicted to fentanyl, being addicted to meth, um, not being able to go a day without being high and look myself in the mirror to um, being free from all of that and 
giving me Jesus, giving me that relationship with him and serving out of the place of, of overflow because he has given so freely to me so I can give to others, not because my relationship depends on it. Even on my darkest day with Jesus, I found hope. Lamentations 3, verses 22, 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. <laughs> Men and women, there's nothing that you or I can do to make God stop loving you. It is impossible. You can run, but you can't hide. Because God's love for you is not based on what you do. It's based on who he is. And he is love. He is the essence of pure love. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I think the proper way to start every day, every morning, is with a fresh cup of coffee. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Liquid glory. <laughs> That's what I call liquid glory. I don't even feel like a Christian until after I've had a cup of fresh coffee in the morning. We need to begin our days with fresh coffee and fresh mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Listen, every single day is a gift from God. And no matter how bad today was, no matter how bad the last few weeks, few months, few years, the season of your life is, tomorrow's a new day. It is a fresh opportunity to get a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. It's another opportunity, another chance to do what God's called us to do and obey him. Jonah 3.3, one translation says, Jonah immediately went to Nineveh, as the Lord told him. Number two, when God gives me another chance, I will not delay, I'll obey right away. I won't delay, I'll obey right away. The first time Jonah gets the word of the Lord, he immediately disobeys and runs in the opposite direction. The second time, he immediately obeys God and runs in the right direction. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Parents, you know that. We've been trying to teach our kids that. Jenny uses that phrase, obey right away. Tell your son, he's playing video games, he's zoned out. Son, you need to stop playing video games and you need to go clean your room. All right, dad. You walk away, hour later you come back, he is in the exact same position. He hasn't moved one centimeter. Son, did, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Oh, dad, I was gonna do it. What do they always say? Later. No, no, that's called disobedience. Wives, you know what I'm talking about. Husbands, let me help you out here real quick. <laughs> if your wife asks you to do something, even if it's not in the proper form of an actual question or request, even if there is no definitive time frame, like could you do this by this time, even if that's not included, she wants you to do it, wives, when does she, you want your husband to do that? Now! It doesn't matter if the Packers are playing or the Rams or the Dodgers, she wants you to do it right now. If you wait more than 30 seconds, you have disobeyed and you be in trouble, all right? It's taken me 15 years to learn that, okay? Listen, what has God asked you to do that you know you need to do, but you haven't done it yet? 
I asked that question a few weeks ago. Let's revisit again. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe it requires faith. Maybe you just don't feel like it. You don't want to. That's your Nineveh. <laughs> That's your Nineveh. It might be for some of us, it might be getting involved and serving in church. Some of y'all have been sitting here for weeks, for months, for years. I am surprised sometimes when I meet people. How long have you been coming to church? Five years. Are you involved in anything? No. Do you know anybody? No. Are you in a connect group? No. Do you serve? No. You've been to Next Steps? No. What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, that's somebody in here. I just made somebody feel bad. But my point is, listen, God's probably nudged you. You know, he's probably nudged you. Hey, get involved and serve. You still haven't done it yet. You're disobeying. Delayed obedience. Maybe it's going on a mission trip to another country. Maybe it's getting water baptized. You know you ought to, but you haven't done it yet for whatever reason. Maybe it's tithing and trusting God with your finances. Maybe it's breaking up with your loser boyfriend or girlfriend. Come on, somebody. That you know everybody around you said, that person's bad for you. You know God has spoken and said, you need to break up with them, and you still haven't done it yet. Got real quiet in here. I'll just keep going. Maybe it's forgiving somebody who's hurt you, who's done evil against you. And God said, you need to forgive him. You don't want to. You, you've refused to. Maybe it's pursuing a dream that God's placed in your heart that you've ignored. Maybe it's inviting your neighbor to church or sharing your faith with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Whatever God's asked you to do, you haven't obeyed it yet, that's disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. That's your Nineveh. Verse two, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, preach to it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Number three, when God gives me another chance, I will share God's message with others. When God gives me another chance, I will share God's message with others. Nineveh at that time, it was the biggest, largest, most powerful, most influential city in the world. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it was a great city because of its size. It was a massive city. In fact, it would be kind of like the LA metropolitan area. It's like one city, but all these other cities are connected to it. That's why to, to walk around it or walk through it would take three days, the Bible says. But it was also great because of its wickedness. It was violent, it was brutal, it was barbaric, it was, it was evil. I mean, it, it was everything you could imagine. It was great in its wickedness. And Jonah preaches the message that God gives him, which essentially was a warning that judgment was coming. God could have just wiped out that city if he wanted to, by the way, because it, it was not just decades of wickedness. There was hundreds of years of wickedness in this city. But because God wants people, come on, he wants everyone to be saved. He gives everybody opportunity. He gives them a warning. The message, put yourself in Jonah's shoes for a minute. Was this going to be a message that the Ninevites probably wanted to hear? No, <laughs> but it was one that they needed to hear. Was, did, did the message fit with the culture of the Assyrians and what they believed? No, but it was the truth that confronted them in their sin and the lies of their culture. Was this gonna make Jonah popular and increase his social media followers? No. <laughs> I don't know if Jonah took a selfie after he got spit out of the great fish with a giant fish in the background and like, you know, it wasn't gonna make him an influencer because Jonah did this to please God and not please people. 
In fact, this, and this is the funny part to me, even though Jonah obeys God and shares the message, his heart is not in it at all. He has a bad, crummy attitude about it. You think, how do you know that? Read the next chapter, we'll see it next week. Jonah still did not love the Assyrians. He hated them. They were political opponents. They were enemies. He's racially prejudiced. He has no compassion, no mercy at, at all. He preaches an eight-word message in English. It's five words in Hebrew. <laughs> and I think he just did it with probably not a whole lot of passion behind it. 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Just walking around, walking around the city, just giving that message over and over. It's hilarious. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, how come you can't preach a five-word message? Your messages are getting longer and longer every week. <laughs> Here, how about this? Love Jesus, love people daily. Drop the mic, I'm out. Some of you are ready to go to lunch. You'd be fine with that. Jonah didn't want to warn the Ninevites, the Assyrians, he did not want to warn them because he knew that if he warned them, they might just repent and turn from their sin. And if they did, then God might be merciful towards them. And Jonah didn't want that. And you might think, man, Jonah was a bad guy. Hey, you and I do the same thing. Somebody, does, how, many, how many chances men and women has God given you and somebody does you wrong? They ain't getting a second chance. They're cut off. They're on the blacklist. Some of that is with your own family members. You're going to see some of your own family members in a few weeks for Thanksgiving. You're not even going to talk to them. I don't, they don't deserve a second chance, you know, unless God changes your heart. People, how many times has God forgiven you? He's forgiven you of everything, past, present, and future, and yet somebody hurts you. You're not, I'm not going to forgive them. Forget that. I'm not, they don't deserve forgiveness. How much mercy has God shown you in your own life, church? And yet, you know somebody, they don't deserve mercy. We do the same thing. Listen, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, God has given you and I a message to share with others. And this message is not a message that some people want to hear, but they must hear it. They need to hear it. This is, this is a message that does not fit increasingly in our wicked culture today, but it is the truth that confronts people in their sin and the lies that they believed. The message isn't gonna make you popular or increase your social media influence, but when you share it, it you do it to please God and not to please people. God's message is called the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, for I passed on to you, Corinthians. I passed on to you, cause church. First of all, the message, say message. I had myself received that Christ died for our sins, as the scripture said he would, that he was buried and rose again on the third day, again as the scriptures foretold. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants some people to be saved who wants the people that I like to be saved, who wants all the people that agree with me politically to be saved, who wants everybody to be saved except those guys in the Middle East to be saved. No, that's not what it says. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news 
Our purpose is to please God, not people. Our job, your job, my job, is to share the message of Jesus to those that God has placed in our lives who don't know him. Our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, those that are on our sports teams, wherever we go. And like Jonah, it requires faith, it requires overcoming fear, it requires obedience. You do it even when you don't feel like it. <laughs> I laugh because the older I get, the more I'm getting like my mom, where you know, I walk my dog Winston and I pray in the mornings. That's my prayer time, just like my mom walking her dog Gracie. A couple months ago, I was out in my neighborhood walking my, my 108 pound Labrador Winston. He was walking me actually, he's so big, but I'm walking Winston, I'm praying, and I see one of my neighbors that I hadn't seen recently. Let's just say that he lives a very, very different lifestyle than I do. And I saw him, and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart and say, I want you to go talk to him and say, Jesus loves you and has a good plan for your life. And I thought, I ain't doing that. <laughs> that's literally like, no, I'm not doing that. Thought, ah, that's probably not the Lord. I can tell pretty easily when it's, when it's God, because I don't normally think thoughts like that. I know that when I hear someone, I know that's the Lord. Is this too real? I'm just... All right, okay. I'm a, I'm a rebel with the cause, I guess. I'm the, I'm the pastor of the cause, but uh, I'm not doing that. And so I keep walking. I bump into him again. I hear this. How the, how the heck do I bump into this guy two times? I hear the same prompting. Go, I said, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm excusing. That's probably not God. You know, I haven't had my coffee, you know, blah, blah. I'm excusing. I, I keep walking. Third time. I see this guy. I'm starting to get annoyed now. Like, come on. And I thought, I ain't doing that. And I literally start walking. I'm almost in my front door. And God says, you better stop and go talk to him. I was like, all right. Because he was almost at his house. So I, I walk over real quick and, hey, hey. I stop him. I start talking to him. I'm asking him questions. You, you ever have a conversation where, you know, God wants you to do something, say something, and you're just, at, you know, it's kind of awkward. You feel uncomfortable. You're trying to delay it as long as possible. <laughs> I'm asking him every question I can. It's getting to the point where it's kind of awkward. And uh, he's like, all right, you know, I got to go to work. And, and I, all right, I better say something now. I'm going to be in trouble with the Lord. You know, I said, hey, hey. I said, I know this, this might sound a little bit weird. I said, I just feel like, the Lord wants me to share this. Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life. <laughs> and he kind of paused for a minute, looked at me, says, thanks. I think I needed to hear that. I wish I could tell you that there was a lightning bolt from heaven. And this guy got radically saved and left his lifestyle of sin. And that didn't happen. None of that happened. <laughs> All I did was I obeyed. Listen, men and women, our job is to obey it's the Holy Spirit's job to save. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. That ain't your job. But our job is to partner with the Holy Spirit and let him do the work. Theologians call the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. I like that. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of every man and woman and child on this planet from the moment that they're conceived. Our job is just to obey him. God, you know, Holy Spirit saves them. Our job, listen, our job is to love. The Holy Spirit's job is to judge. It's not your job to judge anybody. That's God's job. Jesus says, why are you going around pointing out the speck in other people's eyes? You got a giant plank in your own eye. Our job, listen, our job is to share the truth. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. But we always speak the truth in love. Our job is to share Jesus 
The Holy Spirit's job is to draw people to Jesus. Listen, you got you to open up your mouth. Notice that God did not tell Jonah, Jonah, go into the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to live there for several months, and I want your light to, so, to shine before the Ninevites, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God did not tell Jonah that. Listen, we are supposed to, our life is supposed to be a witness to those who don't know Jesus. We ought to act like Jesus. We ought to talk like Jesus. Come on, we ought to look like Jesus that when somebody sees our life, we ought to live differently than the world lives. They should see, she, they should see Jesus in us. But some of us that are shy, that are introverted, you know, that feel uncomfortable, kind of like myself, we hide behind excuses sometimes. And we go to that quote, Preach the gospel always and, and when necessary, use words. Pastor, I don't preach with my words, but I preach with my life. I would say, good, you're preaching with your life, but also preach with your words. The word preach means to proclaim the truth. Come on, somebody. At some point, we need to get over ourselves, our own fear, our own insecurities. We need to open up our mouth and with love and with boldness and with courage, we need to, we need to tell somebody about the Lord. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself right there. I'm gonna, I gotta invite my neighbor to fish food again. So listen, who do you need to share the message of Jesus with? It's one of the most important things that we can do with our life because it impacts eternity because heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real, men and women. And people who don't know the Lord, even if they're living a good life, I mean, we're in Orange County, you know, L.A. County, we're blessed, but even people that are living comfortable lives in a lot of ways, if they don't know the Lord, they're living in hell on earth right now. And it's our job, it is our job to tell them. To do it in love. Real quick, this is just a cute story. My daughter, Neve, when she was four years old, my son, Cohen, when he was two, Jenny was driving him around. I wasn't there, Jenny told me the story. So Neve's four years old, and she says, just out of the blue, Jenny said, she asked Cohen, she says, Cohen, do you wanna ask Jesus into your life? She said she could see Cohen. She's watching this in the rearview mirror. Cohen had a giant head when he was two, man. That kid had a big round head. And he, she said he kind of scrunched up his eyes. He's chewing on his passy in the corner of his mouth, thinking about him. He says, mm, no. And Neve's shocked by this. She says, Cohen, if you don't ask Jesus in your life, you're going to go to hell. And she said, Cohen thought about it again. Same kind of thing, like kind of scrunch up his eyes, chewing on his passy. He says, mm, no, I want Lyle. Lyle's a cucumber from Veggie Tales. And Neve looked at him and said, fine then, Cohen, you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> there was truth in there, but not a lot of love. We need to speak the truth in love. Listen, Jonah preached a message. He preached the truth. He had no love. How much more are we to tell people the truth that we do love? All right, we'll wrap up here. Let's read the rest of the story. Verse five, so the people of Nineveh, listen to this, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That, that's a sign of repentance, by the way, in the Bible. Morning. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock. The king was so serious about this, he was making the animals repent and fast. It's hilarious. 
No, let them not taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn. Everybody say turn. You're gonna see this word in the next few verses. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Verse 10, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Number four, the last point, when God gives me another chance, I will expect God to use me for his glory. I will expect God to use me for his glory. The reason that God saved Jonah men and women is because he wanted to use him for his glory. The reason that he has saved you and I is because he wants to use us for his glory. God hasn't given you and I a second chance, a hundredth chance, a millionth chance, just so we can live for ourselves. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a mission, he has a cause for our life that is far greater than anything you can uh, imagine, anything that you can deserve. He wants to use you and I to advance his kingdom on the earth. And the greatest miracle in the story of Jonah is not that Jonah got swallowed by a giant fish and got a free ride for three days and three nights and then got barfed back onto the beach. That is not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle in the story of Jonah is that this man, who was a reluctant, rebellious prophet, who was kind of angry and moody, hated the, the Assyrians, didn't even want to do what God asked him to do. All he did was obeyed kind of half-heartedly. And when he preached the message, an entire city that was wicked and evil and godless as anybody you've ever met in your life, an entire city, every man, woman, and child turned to the Lord and came to salvation. The greatest revival in probably the history of the world was a result of Jonah's obedience to the Lord. That's the greatest miracle. Salvation is always the greatest miracle. We would be, I mean, it would be on everywhere. It'd be worldwide news if a man got swallowed by a fish, was gone for three days, and then barfed onto the beach. Everybody would be talking about that. But every single week in this church and churches all around the world, men and women who are lost and hurting and broken and are on their way to hell, every single week they turn their hearts to the Lord and eternity is impacted. And we just like, we just get used to it. We just get numb to it. Man, that's the, that's the truth right there. <laughs> we see in, in the Ninevites' response to Jonah's message, by the way, i just give this super quick. You can take a, a screenshot of it, but there's the five steps to personal and national revival. If you want revival in your own life, in our, in our nation, these are the five things that the Ninevites did. Number one, they humbled themselves. Number two, they fasted. Number three, they prayed urgently, cried out to God. Number four, they turned from all evil. In other words, they turned from all their sin, all of it. And number five, they stopped all violence. And if we do that in our nation, God would bring revival. We need it. Like everyone else in the Bible throughout and throughout history and today, <laughs> Jonah was just an ordinary guy. He was just an ordinary guy. Nothing real special about him. He was imperfect. He was broken. You know, I mean, this is, you can relate to men and women in the Bible. They're just men. We, sometimes we make them out to be superheroes, you know, heroes of the faith. And they were. 
but they were just ordinary, broken, jacked up people. They murdered people, they committed adultery, they made all kinds of mistakes, they rebelled against God, they didn't even like people, and God still used them for his glory. God still gave them another chance. Men and women, if he could use Jonah, he could use you. <laughs> he could use us, he'll give you another chance. Doesn't matter what you've been, where you've done, he'll give you another chance. God only used perfect people on this planet, nothing would ever get done because nobody's perfect. So if you feel like I'm kind of messed up, good, you're a candidate to be used by God. Do you use for his glory if you're willing? Ephesians 2, verses 4, 5, verse 10. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. I love that. He's so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's my last and final question. Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to be used by God? When you walked in today, you should have been handed a bag and it has some invite cards for Fish Food Weekend. It has some goldfish in there, I think. You could take that out right now. And I want you actually to take this card out that says Fish Food. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, we've, we've been talking about it. Church News was about it. Uh, November 5th and 6th, two weeks from now, the reason that we're having this weekend is because we're fully committed to bringing others to Jesus. We want to plunder hell and populate heaven. My Reinhard Bonnke, one of the great heroes, said, hell empty and heaven full, his German accent. That's, that's why we're, we're doing this. It's an opportunity to invite and bring people who don't know the Lord. We're spending a lot of time, energy, resources, planning, money on this, and we wanna see people give them an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus Christ. Hey, if you go fishing and you guys like to go fishing, you know that you gotta use fish bait to catch fish, right? <laughs> All the stuff we're doing, Fish Food Weekend, In-N-Out, Chick-fil-A, you know, the, this, this boat here that's being built, it's gonna, it's gonna be a boat on one side, you flip it around, it'll be on the stage, it'll be a giant fish on the other. You know, all the fun things that we're doing for kids, the bounce houses, all that stuff, the, the, the gifts that we're giving them, that's all just bait, just to invite people, just to get them here. If you feed them, they will come. Listen, if a Chick-fil-A sandwich gets somebody here so they can hear the message of Jesus, I'll give them Chick-fil-A, you know, as many Chick-fil-A sandwiches as they want. Come on, somebody. My point is this, we're trying to make it easy for all of us to invite our friends and family and people. Hey, you know, I don't, they don't normally go to church, they might show up, yeah, I got in and out there, sure, I'll come. But more importantly than that, is if you really, if we take this, all of us take this seriously in the next 14 or so days, if we pray for them, partner with God in prayer and ask, ask God to use this, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to them, and then we give them an invitation. Jesus says, when you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Come on, church, that is, our job is to help bring people introduce them to Christ. And my message on that weekend, by the way, I'll preach, you know, next week I'll finish this series. My message will be much shorter that weekend. I promise you it will be. And it's basically just a salvation altar call. That's the whole purpose of it. It's gonna be just all about that. And we're believing for dozens of people to come to Christ. I'd love to see 100 people saved. I'm not sure. I think we've only had a few weekends in the history of our church where we had 100 or more people saved. I'm, I'm gonna, that's my faith goal. 
you can join with me. But here's my point. On this card, I want you to begin to fill this out right now. And, and probably all of us know people who, you know, maybe don't go to church, don't know the Lord as, as far as we know anyways. I want to encourage you to get a pen from the back of the chair right now. I want you to begin to write their names down and then keep this card. Put it somewhere you're going to see it every single day and begin praying for them and then give them an invitation. As you're writing their, your, their names down, you're thinking about who those people are. Uh, you can enjoy this song Sarah and Dan are going to sing for us. Trust in Him. 
if you would I feel I can feel mercy in this place put your hand on your heart just for a moment Holy Spirit just receive the mercy the love Jesus It's a love, it's a kindness, it's a mercy of God that leads us to repentance. God, we thank, thank you. We're thankful for your mercy in our own lives, your love for us. That you've saved us, you've rescued us, you've called us, you've blessed us, you've given us every good thing, Lord. We don't deserve it we can't earn any of it we're just we're thankful we receive it we lift up these names our friends family members neighbors on these cards if you have your card just hold it up right now each each person reflected on here god we pray for them lord we know that you're working in their heart that you're turning your mercy towards them you love them god you have a great plan and purpose for their life and you want them to know you. You want them to come into relationship with you. So Lord, we commit to praying for them, interceding for them, inviting them, loving them. Lord, we pray that in just a few weeks that they would come, they would experience your love, your presence. And God, that their hearts would open to you, they would surrender to you. We pray for a great, great weekend of salvation miracles as we partner with you that you would use us for your glory in Jesus name give us a heart to see people, eyes to see people how you see them, to love them in Jesus name, amen, you can open up your eyes we do two things before we close these are both really, really important, first thing is this and maybe you're here today you're here right now, you're watching online and and you don't, you don't know the Lord you've never, you've never turned your heart towards the Lord God has turned towards you and his love and his mercy. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live for you, to die for your sins on the cross. That's what the cross is all about. He shed his own blood. He paid the price for your sins and my sins. He took our punishment on the cross. And not only that, but three days later, he rose from the dead. This is the message. Paul says that you have received that Christ died for your sins and three days later he rose from the dead. God has turned towards you and he's been pursuing you with his love but maybe for whatever reason you haven't received that yet. You haven't turned towards him. The Bible says today's a day of salvation. I want to give you an opportunity right now. Some of you are like Jonah. You've been running away from God. Maybe for a few weeks, few months, maybe for most of your life. You know, you knew the Lord at one point or maybe you grew up in church, you've run away from him but you've come back today. You're here for a reason. You're watching online for a reason. This is your moment. 
you've, you've been a rebel. <laughs> you've rebelled against God. You need to turn back and recommit your life. Bible calls that repentance. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you, would you close your eyes one more time just for the gift of privacy? If you say, John, that's me. I'm, I, I, need to, I need to turn towards God for the first time today. First time ever in my life. I want to do that right now. Or I, I need to come back to the Lord. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Today's a day of salvation, the Bible says. Today's a day you're the person. If you'll make the choice, God will make the change in your life. One, two, three. Raise your hand and hold it high. I know you, friend, right there. Anybody else here this morning? Raise your hand. Put your hand up and look at me. Look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. I want to make sure I give people an opportunity. Raise your hand. Hold it up. Hold it up. Somebody in the back, wave at me. I haven't seen them. They're pointing somebody out. I see you back there, young young person back there. Praise God. Anybody else here this morning? Anybody else here this morning? I feel like there's more than, than that. I'll give another moment. If you struggling, fighting in your in your heart, that's God speaking to you. And you ought to just surrender to that, men and women. Anybody else here? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You will be saved. I want to pray this prayer in support of our friends this morning making this decision, most important decision they could ever make. Let's repeat this prayer out loud with me a phrase at a time. Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my savior. I ask that you would make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me for your glory. I want to live for you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.